You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. Good morning. It is great to see you guys all here this week. I just want to start today's service with uh, kind of a story, I guess. Uh, It's about a Christian farmer who was in China, and he was doing all he could to make sure that his crops would survive and produce as much as possible. Given the circumstances and the conditions of his land, you know, there's a lot of things that were kind of working against him due to their poverty and just life's hardships and just the history of the things that they had tried and had to endure in life you know life wasn't easy for him farming wasn't easy and his fields were high on this mountain and it took work just to provide a a way and a means to try to make their family be able to survive from season to season and uh, you know every day he would pump water into his patties of his rice field But after doing so, he started to notice that something was off and and things weren't really producing like they were supposed to and his expectations of what it was going to be. And after a while, he discovered that uh, after he would come and pump his fields and fill them with water to the the needed place, that uh, he would leave and then his neighbor would come and would open up the dikes and allow the water that he'd pumped in there to go and fill his fields. And so it was causing his fields to kind of be worse and his neighbor's fields to survive and, and do better than his own, despite him being the one that was putting the work into. And, you know, as a person, as a Christian, I want us to kind of put ourselves in that situation, in that place. If you were this farmer who was doing all this work and doing things the right way, and you found out that a neighbor was coming and essentially cheating you and doing this against you uh, and harming your uh, livelihood, how would you respond in that circumstance? I think that some of us as Christians living a life full of things that happen to us, circumstances that come into our life uh, that cause us to uh, kind of uh, make a decision, really, in how we are going to respond. And oftentimes, we would want uh, the result of how we would respond is that, you know, our hope, maybe in this situation, this person, he would rather that his neighbor go and meet Jesus rather than him be Jesus to that person, right? Right? There's, there's situations in our lives that we would rather those people that we're dealing with to go meet Jesus in those moments rather than us have to be Jesus to them. Uh, you know, today we are continuing on with our series of looking at the vision of the church here. And you know, our mission, as we've said all along, is the mission of loving God and loving other people. That is what we are about as a church. That doesn't change. But our vision and how we go about do, doing that changes from time to time based on different circumstances, different situations, what is going on, uh, who is leading, and, and just what is God guiding us to. And so we have kind of laid out the last few weeks the vision of what we are trying to achieve, what we are trying to be as a church, and how we are going to love God and love people. And kind of the words that we have landed on and are using going forward is this idea of growing together by grafting relationships, cultivating roots, and tending needs. 
And we've talked about the uh, kind of the intentionality behind all of those and intentionally connecting with people and helping them to feel loved and cared about and accepted and part of our church family. We talked about last week cultivating roots and going deeper in our faith and helping other people go deeper in their faith so that we can uh, have a, a way to kind of go forward and survive life storms. And today we're going to look at our third aspect of tending needs, uh, the intentional caring of other people. And, you know, there's lots of places that you can draw illustrations from of people that attend the needs of others. Uh, one of the places that where tending needs really stood out to me in my life is I was kind of thinking about all the different places that I and illustrations that we could kind of draw from. One of the places my mind went of where I saw someone intentionally tending the needs of a situation was when we were going through a zoo in Omaha, the Henry Dorley Zoo. They have this exhibit as part of their zoo, this butterfly garden. And it's kind of uh, amazing. It has those beautiful butterflies up front. But as you go in, you know, you have to go through the screening process, make sure that you're clean, you're not carrying anything in that would hurt or harm the butterflies. And as you walk through this trail all inside, it becomes apparent that they are very intentional about providing and tending the needs of these butterflies. You know, they've created this environment that is healthy for them, that is the temperature is right, the moisture, the humidity is right. They have to make sure that all the plants are healthy and right and aren't going to kill the butterflies. They try to keep all the pests, all the birds, all the uh, things that might hurt or harm butterflies out and you know they even check for you as you leave this place uh, you have to stand in this room and they check for hitchhikers right making sure that all the butterflies stay what they're supposed to stay and as a process and as a in the intentionality you see people in there all the time being very intentional about tending to the needs of these beautiful creatures and as a result they uh, you know are able to help their lives be sustained and even produce new life and it's kind of cool another part of the exhibit is all these new butterflies or baby butterflies in the chrysalis form that are starting to hatch and come out and, you know it's it's neat to see and be reminded of what it takes to intentionally help something develop to help something grow and to help something prosper you know, I think that is an illustration of where we find that uh, in that type of environment. Of, but also we see it in a lot of different places. Farmers are very intentional. You know, as a church also, we are supposed to be very intentional about the way that we tend to people's needs. You know, Jesus did an amazing job in his ministry about tending the needs of the people. Something that he did so, so well was he had the ability to help care and show concern for people and to take them from where they were to a place that they needed to be. You know, Jesus was very compassionate in the way that he interacted with people. And, and you know, he always talked to people, not about people or through people. He always took time to intentionally care for the needs of the people that were in front of him. That was one of the reasons that flocks and crowds were drawn to him was just because of the way he loved intentionally. And he was able to care for their needs in ways that, you know, he did. Not only physical, not only emotional, but he also, that spiritual aspect of things. That Jesus was able to change lives by tending to the needs of those people that he interacted with. 
you know, after he had already kind of gone and set that example, another person comes along by the name of Saul, right? And, and Jesus has that face-to-face -face encounter with Saul, and eventually he changes and is transformed by the care and uh, the nurturing of Jesus through that vision that he becomes Paul, and he becomes this missionary for God. And you know, he also takes on that same mindset, although we don't have as many of those concrete examples of that personal interaction as Jesus did, we see through his letters that he was very much about that, that his heart and his mind was all about, and his mission was all about tending the needs of others. We see that in his writings, that that was also his challenge to the churches, that the people that he had kind of gone to, that he had poured into, that he had cared about. He had that expectation that they would carry that legacy on, that they would continue to do that. You know, Paul was that ultimate missionary, but he was also a spiritual gardener. His purpose for writing what makes up almost half of the New Testament, we see his passion for the process of tending to the needs of people that he knew, the, the local church, but also the global church, and in his mission. You know, his letters were all about tending the needs of people that he deeply loved. And his writing possessed the heart of a spiritual gardener who was constantly watching, watering, and weeding the churches and the people that he was interacting with. And we're going to look at a passage today that Paul wrote with intention of tending the needs of a church that he had grown in, in connection with, that he had poured into, that he had spent time with, that he grafted into their, that, that church, uh, and he helped them go deeper in their roots. But then the times and the circumstances changed where he was in a position where he could only write to them. And I want us to notice his heart and his intentionality. Uh, and he's letting this church in Philippi, we're going to be going and looking at Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 today. We're not going to cover a lot of textual ground, but we are going to kind of look intentionally at this passage. And I want us to notice Paul's heart and his ability to watch, to water, and to kind of weed this church in a way. So let's go ahead and jump over to these verses. Uh, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. We see this very intentional approach by Paul of wanting to cultivate in this church something that will grow into what God wants it to be. You know, Paul is always intentional about looking and seeing what's going on in those different churches. He has this insight and this perception that is very unique to someone who has come alongside and pastored them and, and reached with them and loved them. And, and in this process, we see, uh, you know, kind of that positive influence of what he wants them to be and what they can work on. But also he has this intentionality of trying to get rid of some of the things that are holding them back or hurting them that only someone who has been with them would be able to do. 
You know, Paul is tending to their needs, and he lays out some of the attributes of a church that is focused on tending needs. He's trying to replicate what he has learned, and he's trying to get them to be able to live their life in a way that is how God would want his church to be, how Jesus desires his people to be. And so we're going to see in here uh, uh, the attributes of a church that is focused on tending needs. So as a church, this is kind of something that we want to replicate and we want to model as well. Even though Paul didn't write this to us, he still writes this to us, right? And so the first thing that we can do is found in these first two verses. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. You know, here we see that Paul is tending the needs in harmony. He wants them to be harmonious in order to make his joy complete, to help him to be proud and, and be like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. He desires them to be like-minded, to have that same love, to be one in spirit and of mind. Paul understood that growth happens best when a church is united and in harmony with each other. When there is harmony among believers, it creates this environment that we can grow. I'm sure you've been part of places, you've been part of churches, you've been part of groups, uh, you've been part of something in the church, hopefully at some point in time, that where everybody was working together towards something. There was harmony in that moment, and you were able to accomplish a lot. You know, thinking back a few weeks ago to our big serve, right? We harmoniously had one like-mindedness. We came together and we served and we accomplished things. You know, we were able to do a lot of things because we were all working together towards that same thing. You know, we had union in that and there was unity. You know, there was also some uniformity. And there's this quote by Dr. Adrian Rogers of thoughts on a harmony within the church. You know, he says that there are three words that sound like one, unity, union, and uniformity. It says, and it's harmony in unity that we're looking for, not union. He says, sometimes somebody will tell you that you can take two tomcats, you can tie their tails together, and they're in union with each other, right? And you throw them over a clothesline, but you don't have unity. You may have union with the two of them, but there is no unity as they are fighting for their lives. So just because you have union doesn't mean that you have unity. And sometimes that happens within the context of church, unfortunately. You know, Paul was someone who experienced that too. When he and Peter didn't agree on something, they had a union, but there wasn't unity in thought. And so there was no harmony, there was conflict in that. And so he's saying that we need to have uh, unity in the idea of being coming together. And, you know, uniformity comes out of everybody being in unity. And if we want union and harmony, then it comes from our hearts being together, our deeds being together, our thoughts being together, that same love, that one accord, that one mind, that one spirit that Paul is preaching to the church here in, Phil the in, the Phil in Philippians, not the Philippines. All right, okay, different missionary. All right, 
So we see this, and you know, there's lots of examples of what people can accomplish when they work together. There was a, a TV show a while back, and I'm sure it's probably still going, but it was popular a few years ago, The Extreme Makeover. Did anybody remember that show? Anybody ever watch that show? Okay. All right. Wasn't it amazing what they were able to accomplish? This community, they, they would find this person who was in need, and they would try to find someone who really was in need, and then they would create this ambitious project to transform their home into something that that person could really benefit from and what they needed to sustain life. It wasn't always about making the biggest, best thing. It was like, what did they actually need that would help them in their life circumstances? They cared about what was going on in their lives. They got to know the people their stories and then it was amazing to see what a community of people or a people in unity uh, would do in a matter of a few short weeks of completely transforming a house you know if you've ever taken on a DIY project you know the amazing uh, results that uh, and how impressive that is whenever it takes us a month to finish a room right much less them to finish an entire house and so that is an example of what can happen when people are united together, accomplishing one goal with harmony. You know, they're working together. And that's the kind of the difference of that reality shows. A lot of other reality shows, it's, it's highlighting conflict and, you know, going different ways and how the tension and the more division the better but in that show is all about doing something together for somebody and it was neat to see how they were able to accomplish so much more being united together and that is our hope that is our prayer as a church that that as we're meeting the needs of others that we're watching and becoming more united together in the spirit of god but one of the things that helps harmony to happen is by uh, doing things with humility and Paul understands that he says in verse 3 do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility value others above yourself you know there's this quote from Ken Marley that he used an expression uh, that says you know instead of saying me first we need to really have a me third mentality the me first puts us above everybody else, but the me third is God first, everyone else second, and us third. I think in a church, that me third mentality sometimes is one of the mentalities that God wants us to have. He wants us to love God, love others, and by doing so, we often have to, in times to take that third level. Paul cautioned against being filled with pride, with causing strife and contention or rivalry motivated by self-interest. He understood the damage that that could do. And he encourages and implores the church here, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceits. So he gives them this direction uh, uh, that through a humble spirit, the church can be a place that is able to tend to and meet the needs of others. It creates that watering effect of being able to grow something whenever we're putting each other first. You know, when we see or enable to sacrifice our own desires and wants for the benefit of the growth of the church, rather than acting in pride and conceit, uh, uh, then that allows us to grow. 
If we are able to think of maybe what is best for us collectively than what is best for us individually, it creates that environment where we can be, uh, you know, grafted together whenever we're willing to put somebody else above ourselves. Whenever we want to deepen our roots, that helps us also by being humble and maybe not always thinking that we are right about everything, but being willing to listen and care and being willing to put them and their growth in front of our own growth sometimes. You know, it's something that helps give us direction. Many of our problems would cease to exist if we stopped thinking solely of self while considering the needs of others. There's a missionary by the name of Doug Nichols that was a patient in a tuberculosis ward. I'm having some troubles today. Tuberculosis, nothing over four syllables, Brad, all right? in India in 1967. And so being in that area, in India, there's always the assumption that if you're American, that you're rich. And that happens sometimes with missionaries when they go to other countries, that you're automatically associated with wealth if you are an American. And so that was the case in this the situation for this missionary, even though he was dealing with this health issue, they uh, viewed him as someone who didn't really need that extra benefit, that extra care, and so they thought that he was someone who was just kind of being a tension hog, and they really didn't, uh, there was hostility towards him. But they also had some issues with some of the other patients in there. Uh, You know, one morning, a very sick Indian man was struggling to get out of bed to go to the bathroom, but he was too weak to make it. And so instead of being able to make it, he had to use the facilities in his bed and everybody got mad at him as the stench filled the room. The nurses got mad at him because they had to clean him up and and everybody's yelling at him and hitting him and and kind of abusing him because he wasn't able to go take care of his business where he needed to take care of it. The the American missionary saw that and the next night when this happened again, this man was trying and struggling but not able to make it because of his weakness. Even though his state wasn't the best, he got out of his bed and together uh, they made it to the restroom and this missionary, uh, you know, kind of put this guy's needs in front of his others and eventually was able to make, help him get back into his bed. You know, that was act of love and kindness and putting this other patient before his own needs. Uh, There was a change in the ward as they saw this love being lived out. And they changed their mindset of who this person was and they were willing to listen to him as he shared with him the, the message and the love of God. And several of them eventually received Christ through his time there and the conversations that they were able to have. But it was first his action of love and putting somebody else and somebody else's needs above his own. That changed their life, seeing the life of someone with a great heart of humility and love for others. We never really fully know the impact that that might have on somebody else, but other people are always watching to see whether we will water places or where we will destroy places. And oftentimes as Christians, we need to have that heart of humility in situations where it's hard to have that heart. But as a church, we should always have it. The third thing that we can get from this passage comes from verse four. It says, not looking to our own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So through this process, we can also tend to the needs through hospitality. And to the word here is to look on uh, not, not looking at your own interests, but to the each of you, to the interest of others. This idea of look 
kind of carries with it this intentionality, this great interest. And you know, where, where we look and what we're looking at says a lot about what our heart is going to be impacted by, right? Where, be careful little eyes, what you see. I think I used to be told that as a kid. Uh, you know, that is very true in our lives, that we need to be intentional about what we are looking at. And we need to be looking for ways that we can love other people. If we're intentionally looking for those things, we will find them. Mark 10, 44 says, whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Paul reminds us that, not look, that we shouldn't look at our own interests, but at a man and looking at the interests of others. They kind of go hand in hand with each other, rather seeking to serve ourselves and ensure that we are pleased with every decision. We need to be conscious of the needs of others. Philippians 2 expresses the essence of the spirit of Jesus, right? That those who would heed these words of Paul have a larger view of life. And that view seeks not our own things, but the things of others. Being selfless, not being bigots, not being small, but being loving and caring of others. You know, the view that seeks to tend to the interests and the well-being of others leads to the, the larger growth of everyone. You know, Paul or Chuck Swindoll suggested that a great application for, for Philippians 2, 3, and 4 be this. By taking this and paraphrasing the names of two people that you're struggling with and to live with right now. And saying this statement instead, do nothing from the selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility and the mind regard whoever that person is as someone more important than yourself. Do not merely look at our own personal interests, but also the interest of whoever that might be. If we can take on that mentality of putting people's faces and their names in those places, it changes that verse quite a bit. It makes it real. It makes it applicable. It makes it personal to us of the people that we need to be loving deeper. You know, if we watch for the needs of others and as a church as a whole, we will have little time for selfishness, self-serving desires. And, and Jesus can be part of the process of helping us become who he wants us to be. And we'll be able to see over and over again people serving humbly the needs of others. You know, Jesus himself bore our sins and endured the wrath of God in our place on the cross. He was there not for his own benefit, but for ours. And that is the ultimate example of Jesus on the cross, that he was selfless. He took on our sins. And we are able to watch and see the action that that took, the example that he made. We need to replicate that in our own lives, that we too may need to live as selflessly as Jesus. That as we look and scan the passages of his ministry, that we would watch people as he did. That we'd be just as intent about caring for the souls of others. That we would look at their needs and do all we can to meet their needs. And we have that in several different places, whether that be, uh, you know, here locally, whether it be in our community or in our church. And as a church, though, as a body, we need to have the desire to grow together as we are attending the needs that requires constant watching, 
weeding and watering. It's this process that we need to be intentional about, seeing the needs that are here, but also being intentional about helping things grow that are going to help us grow and helping get rid of things that might cause us not to grow. And we need to be prepared to love others the way that God wants us to. We want to be a church that is filled with people who are living to love God and love people. You know, going back to that farmer at the beginning of the message, I asked you, how would you respond in that circumstance? What things would you do? What things might you say? Uh, what would that interaction be like? And maybe it wouldn't be very Christ-like. Uh, after, I appreciate the way that this farmer handled it. You know, for a while he tried to ignore this injustice, but then he couldn't take it anymore. So he decided to meet and pray with another Christian, and they came up with this solution. And the next day, this farmer rose early in the morning and first filled his neighbor's field, and then he attended to his own. And he said that as a result, the neighbor subsequently became a Christian because of this genuine demonstration of humility and hospitality that this Christian farmer exhibited. And sometimes it's as simple as that is helping other people and seeing their need first and meeting it and then making sure that our needs are met as well. He was able to watch and see the need and he chose to water the life of a neighbor with a heart of harmony, with humility and through hospitality, changed that other person's life. Just as I'm sure someone has done that to us and changed our lives as well. It's a reminder that we need to be like that farmer watching for what needs in our life need tending. There's always needs that are surrounding us. And maybe there are needs of the church, maybe there are needs of the community, maybe there are needs in your own life that you need to uh, grow in help with before you're able to meet the needs of others. But that's part of that process, is tending what needs to be tended in your life. And I think that is a reminder to us you know, if we do this, then we'll be able to grow together and we'll be able to meet the needs of more and more people as long as we're doing that in humility and harmony and looking towards hospitality. We can watch and see what God wants us to do. And I think if we do that intentionally, then together we will grow into a church filled with the excitement and joy as a community of believers that Paul is talking about in this verse, and growing together in the name of God to effect change in our homes, communities, states, nation, the world, and eternity. I pray that you would want to come alongside us and do that together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for all that you do in our lives. I thank you for the mission that you've placed on our hearts to love you more and to love others deeper. Lord, I pray for this vision, that you would surround it, that you would uh, allow it to have success, that you would allow it to take root. Lord, I ask that we would be able to do these things as a church, that we would be able to uh, graft people in relationship with you, that we would be able to deepen our roots that we'd be able to attend the needs of those who, who need your love. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to love you and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.